This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. There are many different sides to the man known as that damn yank. But to be honest, I was completely unprepared for how my conversation would start with Zach Goldman. Mostly because I didn't know that Zach was neck deep in so many different aspects of the sport of soccer. And when I think back about the conversation that I had with him, it was probably a positive that we didn't know much about each other, or specifically that I didn't know much about him, because it actually made it a very interesting conversation, I think. Uh, the idea to interview Zach first popped into my head as I was listening to him speak about one of his projects on Grant Wall's podcast. Okay, so let's stop right there. Yes, I listened to an episode of Grant Wall's podcast. Actually, I've listened to more than one episode. Uh, no, I don't recommend that you add it to your list of podcasts to listen to. I was simply doing a little bit of market research and listening to what else was out there. And Zach happened to be the guest on one of the episodes that I clicked on. And his story was very interesting. Okay, so back to Zach. Zach and his colleague, Nathan McVitie, had traveled to Russia for the World Cup in 2018. And while they were there, they stumbled across an amazing story. But no one wanted to pick it up. So they went after it themselves and did an amazing job sharing the experiences of the Iranian women who were in Russia supporting their men's national team, something that they cannot do in their own country. So that was a fascinating story to me. That's why I wanted to interview Zach, and that's why we had this conversation that ultimately led us down a bunch of different avenues, which I think you are going to enjoy. Uh, During this episode, you will hear Zach talk about that experience and so much more. You can find links to Zach and Nathan's projects and all of their social media accounts, uh, the outstanding photos and stories of the Iranian women that they talked with. Uh, You can find all of the links to that by visiting 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching, all spelled out, .com. And that is also where you can go to help support this podcast. And I'm talking specifically about the 343 coaching education programs. And even more specifically about the premium coaching membership, because that is what helps fund this podcast. But of course, we do not want you to just sign up without knowing who we are or what we're all about. And that is why we offer a free program to go along with our premium membership. The free program helps you get to know us and gives you a look at our proven methodology. And then whenever you are ready, we offer the whole shebang, which includes real training and game footage and all kinds of other goodies. And I have no problem... Uh, recommending this program because I've been through it. I've never had a problem recommending it because it's something that changed the way that I coached soccer myself. And it actually completely changed the way that my teams played on the field. And I saw incredible results uh, at the high school level and at the club level. And maybe someday I should post videos of, of my teams again. I've posted some in the in the past, but I should post more uh, so you can see that this is a, a real thing. Um, but if you want to learn more about that coaching program uh, that I've been through, that thousands of other coaches have been through, you can find all of the information by visiting 343coaching.com. That's numbers 343coaching, 
all spelled out, .com. Okay. I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast with Zach Goldman. Yo, Zach, what's going on, man? Yo, not too much. How you doing? Doing good, dude. Doing good. Uh, I apologize for being a couple minutes late on the call time. No, you're right. Yeah, no my, one of my one of my good friends just texted me and said that her her mom just got a, a report back saying that she uh, she doesn't need chemotherapy for something that's going on. She only needs a little <laughs> bit of radiation. So. Oh, that's great. That's uh, that's so awesome. Yeah, oh, so. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, obviously radiation isn't awesome but given the choice between the two that's a relief oh, yeah man. yeah so i i was i got into a little text message conversation no, a, little bit, a little bit too far, late <laughs> far more important far more important uh so what's going on man not too much i appreciate you uh you taking the time and i'm sorry that it's, it's taken so long to to get to this point but i'm stoked uh it's good to be back in la for sure so i'm trying to spend some more time here as much as i can which is which is great Absolutely. Um, How you doing? I'm doing good, dude. Doing good. This is a rare afternoon interview for me. I usually try to get stuff done oh, yeah. in the morning, but gotcha. But had to had to had to get you when I could because I've been <laughs> I trying. I appreciate to... <laughs> you accommodating. Thanks. Yeah, I'm usually on European time these days, so my work day is starting to to wind down, which is good. Nice. Um, tell me, tell me real quick, what you do. Sure. Um, I'm kind of between two worlds right now. So I run a basically marketing agency and consultancy with a couple friends called Common Goal. Um, that's mainly focused on the football world and branding and marketing and business development. And then I have my own thing on the side, which is basically related to uh, somewhat player representation, but mostly intermediation um, between uh, clubs and players usually. Um, so usually this is a pretty busy time of year, kind of transfer windows and stuff like that. Deadline day today, actually. Deadline day today. Yeah. I didn't have anything big today, which is, which is good and bad at the same time, but, uh, <laughs> I, de I definitely slept better as a result. That's awesome. I actually had no idea that you were, that you were into that. So I'm, I'm curious. I want to ask how the hell do you get into that world? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a weird wild ride. It's not something that I ever thought I'd be involved with. And it's something that I don't feel totally temperamentally suited to. I'm not like the traditional profile of what an agent is. Um, but I've worked at a couple clubs. Um, I, known a lot of players over the years and i know that there's kind of a gap in the market uh you know a lot of agents are not uh, always looking out for their clients and a lot of agents don't have the right connections to certain clubs and so they go you know down certain well-traveled paths and they're not really looking broadly enough for the best fit for their clients so um yeah i worked you know at oxford united and at liverpool and i've worked through my agency with a bunch of clubs the Premier League and MLS. Uh, and yeah, through that, I've had a lot of friends at those clubs who have then gone into the agency world. It's quite a, it's not that unique of a path. Um, and so between knowing people on the club side and knowing agents, um, there's like a natural fit for intermediation and helping people make the connections that they need to make. So yeah, I have a lot of friends who have players who need to make moves and clubs who need, you know, certain players to do uh to do their thing on the pitch so it's it's kind of a natural fit which 
uh, presented itself to me about a year ago. Um, and I, I did a couple of, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes deals, uh, just, you know, helping out friends here and there. And I started to see that, okay, this is a potentially viable career path. So not doing it full time or anything, but, uh, definitely trying to get more and more involved in that direction. It's, uh, you said you got into it a year ago. So a year ago is actually probably a good time to get into something like that because prior to that, you needed to be like a lawyer or you needed to exactly. be like, you needed to be licensed and all these crazy things. And now anybody can represent anybody basically, right? Totally. Which, which I think is definitely, as you, as you point out, is something that benefits me, but at the same time, I see as a massive problem within the landscape. Um, there's a lot of people who don't have um, the requisite know-how or, uh, experience in order to do those things. I certainly put myself in that bucket. So I, I'm very new and green to this <laughs> world, but, um, I think just through my time, uh, working on the other side of football and working with clubs, uh, it's kind of interesting to see how few people are involved in this side of the world who have kind of a robust understanding of that side of things and, and how, you know, all the different financial levels of, of football, um, there's so many different considerations that take place and there seem to be a lot of people in this world who only have a partial understanding or maybe an understanding from only one perspective. And, and I'm certainly one of those people, you know, so there's certainly a lot for me to have to learn and catch up on. But it's uh, I think at the same time, being able to have more and more people involved in uh, the intermediation and representational worlds allows for, you know, uh, a, a lot of different connections to be made and a lot of people with different viewpoints on what's important to get involved with the process. So I think, you know, on, on some levels, opening the pool to anyone is a really difficult and problematic decision. But I think uh, at the same time, you know, the cream tends to rise to the top in a lot of cases. And I think if you're good at what you do and you previously couldn't get involved, then it's it's a benefit. I like the way that you put that. Uh, Thanks. The cream, the, cre- <laughs> the, the cream rises to the top and, and that's that's definitely true, especially on a, on a global scale, um, where, you know, it's, it's just, it's performance based. It's, it's fact based. It's just, yeah, the cream, the cream rises to the top. There's, there's no other way about it. Um, I'm, I'm curious. And again, I, I, I didn't anticipate talking about this subject, but now that we're on it, I'm curious what you've learned about, you know, global football or maybe just maybe American American soccer during this process that you that you didn't anticipate learning during sure. during this venture? Um, I think one thing is that there's a pretty stark lack of familiarity with the peculiarities of uh, American soccer. So I have a lot of friends abroad who are perfectly familiar with what MLS is and they might be able to name a handful of teams, but all of the kind of insane roster regulations um mls might not like how i put that um but i think (laughs) there's so many there's so many roster rules um, that prevent teams from signing the right player in the moment and force them you know whether it's salary cap or only having one kind of money or not having you know an international slot or you know having to deal players away in order to make space for a new player. There's a lot of things that MLS teams have to contend with that is not true in the global marketplace. And I, I really didn't realize how a lot of agents and a lot of other clubs don't really understand that. So for me, it's a competitive advantage because I've got that familiarity at the same time. I wish less of it existed uh, for, you know, we can get into that discussion at a different <laughs> time, but I, I think, you know, for, for me, it was a benefit. Um, I think on the other side too, there's a lot that I've needed to catch up on and, and that I've needed to learn about. I think I was really naive when I first got involved and started helping friends in this world and thought, 
oh, okay, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple match. It's two plus two equals four. And if you have the right player at the right price, then you're in like, uh, and that's not at all how it works. <laughs> um, you know, I think there, there are a lot of people you could speak to with a wealth of experience way, way ahead of my own. Um, and I'm sure I'm, I'm still very naive in the space, but, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to get a deal done. And a lot of that comes down to externalities that have nothing to do with how good the player it is. The player is. It has nothing to do with what they cost. It has to do with relationships. It has to do with trust has to do with connections, has to do with maybe another player in the squad who, you know, shares the same agent or anything like that. You know, there's any number of factors and um, sometimes you don't get a reason, right? Like usually the thing I love about football is it's really easy to diagnose problems on the pitch. So if you watch a game back, you can understand where breakdowns happen. And I know, you know, you and a lot of your listeners, you know, you guys are all students of the game, very astute students of the game. And I know that it can be an obsession to, to tactically break down what happens on the pitch. And, and off the pitch, you don't always get that. Um, I think, you know, in, in my past, when I worked at clubs, we could see really easily what worked and didn't work in marketing or what worked and didn't work in, you know, digital or whatever, um, because you have metrics to break things down. And this is a side of the world that is uh, much more art than science, I think. And it's, it's not always uh, clear what the recipe for success is. Um, so for me, it took a lot of learning and a lot of uh, <laughs> kind of emotional uh, toil to figure out, okay, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And sometimes you just kind of have to hold your hands up and, and just say, okay, it didn't work out, like on to the next one. I think in order to make it in, in this world, um, it seems to me that, you know, you've got to be okay with hearing no 99 times in order to get to a yes. <laughs> That's true. I've actually heard that. I've heard that probably the most out of, out of anything else when I've talked to people about agency work and, and especially, Maybe maybe more so with players too, but it's like you have to you have to be able to have thick skin and 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 be rejected over and over and over and over again. And totally. if you can't if you cannot handle that, then you are probably not cut out for professional sports. Yep, hundred percent. Wow. Well, that was ten minutes of time with you. That I did not expect to uh, to, to get. That. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's fine. Um, I usually ask people for like about thirty minutes. So in my head, I'm thinking like, all right, well, I got like you know maybe twenty twenty five more minutes with you. Um, and I I, I want to make sure that I highlight some of the other great work that you're doing that Thank I'm you. aware of. Um, I I had the the amazing experience of listening to your interview with Grant Wall. And the the work that you and Nathan are or were doing during the World Cup was very intriguing to me, and I wanted. That's when I first like really started to hound you. I think I'd asked you before, but like when I, once I heard that interview, I really started to hound you about coming on my show. That's and, awesome. And and it's stuff that I'm interested in. Like you guys got a chance to travel. You guys got a chance to tell stories. You guys got a chance to do a little bit of like investigative work. I feel like. Um, sure. which really impressed me. And the story that I'm, I'm really referring to is, is the work about the women in Iran and, mm-hmm. and the, the story that you and Nathan helped tell about the women that got a chance to watch the, the games for the first time at the World Cup. So I, I wanted to give you a chance to maybe explain that story and tell people where they can find it and then ask a, a few follow-up questions. Totally. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Um, yeah. So we run our website and an Instagram account as well called Where's Football. You can find it at where'sfootball.com. And yeah, we um, we went to the World Cup 
for some other contracted work, um, basically storytelling, photography, and things like that. Um, and we we knew we were going to be in town in St. Petersburg for Morocco versus Iran. And knowing a bit about, you know, I have a, a ton of Iranian friends, and knowing a bit about what the national team means there, I, I knew it was an occasion I didn't want to miss. Um, but I also knew that there was kind of a, another storyline to be told, and one that um, you know, I, I was pretty passionate about as well, um, which is essentially that Iranian women can't watch the national team in their home country. So for a lot of women, they haven't been in the stadium at all. Um, and this was going to represent the first time when a lot of Iranian women could come to the stadium, cheer on their national team. And for me, that was, you know, like there's no other story I would rather tell during the World Cup. I mean, it was it was on the same day as Spain, Portugal. And to us, this was the bigger game for that reason. Um, obviously, you know, on the pitch, Spain, Portugal is incredible. But even on the pitch here, it was something where you could tell how much it meant to the players. Like this was their World Cup final, um, especially when you see that you get drawn into a group of Spain and Portugal. But I, I think for us, you know, <laughs> off the field, that was the that was the real story. And, and it was one that we were very proud and lucky to get to tell. And it was one that we wanted to make sure we weren't doing too much of the telling. So we wanted to show rather than tell, which I think is is always good practice in journalism. Um, and so for us, it was, it was really enlivening and impressive to be able to speak with these women who maybe it was their first time ever being in a stadium um, and what an occasion to get to see a 90th minute uh, winner uh, for their national team. Like it's, it's just beyond imagination at that point. So for us, it was, it was a really special day. We were really lucky to be there and I mean, you know, our, whereas football to us is, uh, it's, it's a side project um, at the end of the day, but it's what keeps us sane. So we, we try, we don't really monetize it. We don't, you know, it's not a brand to us. It's, it's a platform and it's a place for people to tell stories and to tell, um, to talk about what's special to them about, you know, the sport that we all love. So for us, it was, it was a pretty special culmination of a really long journey for us of trying to get this story and trying to tell stories like this and, and to have it work out like that was really special. I'm, I'm interested in, in this being like a side project for you. And so you mentioned that you were over in Russia for you know, additional contracted work and this opportunity came up and you guys decided to, to jump on it. When or, or how did you guys decide that, that you guys wanted to do this? Did you guys go over there with the idea that you, that you wanted this or did it come about while, while you guys were, you know, at the hotel or walking through Red Square or? Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty early. I mean, it was in the back of my head when I saw the draw and I'd heard of, uh, you know, I think every World Cup that Iran's in, there's political intrigue and sociocultural intrigue around, you know, their appearance at the tournament. And and this is not necessarily a new story, um, but I think it was something that was definitely on my radar during the draw, definitely uh, on my radar when I found out the dates that we were going to be in town. And then we actually shot the story around initially um and then through a confluence of factors both lack of interest from some outlets and then on our side us saying this is a story that we really want to tell the right way and if people aren't going to carry it in a way that we're passionate about or are not going to you know like our vision or aren't going to adhere to the way in which we want to tell a story then okay we want to keep it for ourselves um and so that's pretty much what we did i mean it was uh it was a tricky balance it, it always is when you're doing work both for fun and for pleasure i mean sorry for fun and for and for work um but yeah when you're doing content for for work and for pleasure it's it's always difficult to parse out exactly how you want to break that down um and so for us it was 
this was the easy bit. We knew after a certain point, okay, this, this is something we want to tell on our, on our channels. And then the hard bit was kind of how do we roll this out and how do we, you know, is it, is it something where we want to go straight after the game to a laptop and like write down some words or is it something we want to digest? Do we want to wait to see how Iran does? And I think the second that goal went in, <laughs> um, <laughs> we just kind of knew like, we're going to get amazing reactions from people. And, you know, we had interviewed people before the game and taken pictures before the game, but especially after the game, it was something where, you know, everyone's emotions were at 11. It was just such an incredible experience. So for us at that point, we were sort of like, okay, back to laptops, let's get these pictures together. Let's write something. Let's get on the internet. And luckily it was, it was received well. A question that is always burning in my brain after I see something like what you like what you put out was or is do those people ever get a chance to see the work they were part of so like totally. the pictures and the stories that they that they were part of i'm always curious like does that ever make it back to 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 their plate yeah, it's a great question, and, and it did in our case. Um, we had asked people, you know, this story is not something where we were doing it, um, you know, we, we wanted to make sure everyone who was involved in the story had 100% say over how they were presented, you know, what they were saying. So we took their quotes. Every quote in the story is, you know, true to their own words, um, and their quotes that they saw before we, you know, put them on the internet, um, we made sure to... If, if people wanted their identities kept secret, we kept those secret. Um, one of the things that was really surprising to me is that a lot of people didn't want it to be secret at all. Um, in fact, they wanted their names in it. They wanted to be front and center. <laughs> they wanted to tell their story, you know, loudly and proudly, which is awesome. And in some cases, uh, someone who's featured named Nazanin, for instance, uh, it was actually her second World Cup, and she wanted the article to share. Um, so we, you know, sent it to her, and we sent people photos and. You know, it was really cool to see that kind of, I mean, it's a great question. Like a lot of times you think, okay, this thing just goes on the internet and then maybe they see it, maybe they don't. But for us, it was important that anyone who wanted to be involved um, and wanted to see how it turned out could see it. And, and also that they had veto power over what we did. I mean, I think one of the things that I hate most that some journalists do is that they get a really interesting nugget and then they don't feel like they owe it to the subject to mm -hmm. let them have any control over how they're, you know, perceived or, or conveyed in the media. So for us, it was important to have that buy-in. Um, and then we actually did that for everything, um, for all aspects of our coverage. So we did some stuff that wasn't used, for instance, with uh, Egypt fans, um, which is stuff that we really need to get online, but it, it wasn't used by the outlet we were shooting for. So we just kind of kept it in the can, but we'll, we'll definitely put it out there. And for that story, we had a lot of really great quotes and we had people who were saying, oh, please, you know, send this to me. And so in a lot of cases, we've sent them the photos, but haven't actually put them on the internet. So it's kind of funny how that works out. Outside of maybe that story that you guys worked on, because it sounds like it was very well received by the people that, that took part in it. How how were you guys received or how, how were you received specifically uh, as an American in Russia? I'm curious about that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was a, you know, I thought it was a great experience. I I've been to Russia a couple of times before and in, in less politically charged times. Um, but, you know, I felt like to a certain extent um, that was good because I had sort of a, uh, a compass and, and a canvas for understanding, okay, is Russia different right now than it was when I visited previously? The answer is yes. It was definitely like, all world cupped out and everyone was, you know, very excited to have visitors. And, you know, there was a lot going on that made it not 
the real Russia in some ways. <laughs> but at the same time, um, you know, I felt like I there was incredible hospitality shown to me. I think it's important to not forget about political issues. I think it's important to not you know, put those behind you. I think there is, there are issues inside and outside of the stadium when it comes to, you know, bigotry and, and things like that, that are extremely important and not to be swept under the rug on any level. Um, but I do think also it's important to not draw a distinction between people and their governments. And I think it's also important to highlight the fact that the most valuable and enriching thing that I think this sport can do is to openly and honestly and candidly share viewpoints and engage with people as other human beings and not just, um, you know, representatives of another country. So for me, one of the most amazing things was the fact that people were very open and candid about, oh, like, you know, we know this is a crazy time, but like, you know, we really love Americans, we really love American culture. And to me, like, you know, it, it can sound a little hackneyed or whatever, but to me, that was like a really nice thing to just offer up and volunteer. Like, it's something that I didn't need to hear because I, I don't look at myself first and foremost as an American. I look at myself as a human being, but it was certainly welcome and very nice to hear that. Um, and I think, you know, just setting the ground rules and setting the table before you meet with someone, having someone be like, hey, no hard feelings, like that alone was kind of like a, a weird thing to hear, but also really nice. Um, and I think, you know, a, a lot of people, um, you know, went really, really far out of their way to make sure that we were having a good time, and, you know, whether it's, you know, people next to us in a bar or Uber drivers or whatever, everyone you know, really went the extra mile to make sure like, hey, you're having a great time. Okay, just making sure. And, and that to me was really special. It's funny you mentioned Uber drivers too. There, there's a moment that sticks out from an older interview that I did with Tom Beyer, and he said something along the lines of, "If you want to have like a real or a good conversation about soccer, go to a foreign country and start talking to the taxi driver about the local football team." Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's true. I, I can't even tell you how many experiences I've had in, in, you know, in cabs and bars where I've made friends for life. You know, from from that, it's it's pretty crazy. Like. I, it's not surprising to me at all. And it's awesome to hear that other people have had those experiences. I think that that anecdote alone shows why the World Cup is so important, where it's like, yeah, it's important. Can, it's importance can be, you know, overstated and manipulated and modified in different ways that are that are troubling and disquieting. But I think um, the most important thing to not lose sight of is the fact that it gives us a chance to converse and connect especially in some sometimes when you don't know the language right like you can have a soccer conversation without fully speaking another language which is like i cannot imagine another thing in life that would give me that power um and i think it's it's so important to like not lose sight of that and to really see how special it is i have massive respect for people like yourself that you know step out of the out of the bubble and and get out and, and see other parts of the world and and uh, and experience it just in different ways like not not even just going to the world cup but experiencing it the way that that you did and and uh i reached out to another friend of mine and interviewed him after he got back from from russia and he is a croatian just like me and cool. when, when croatia made it to the semifinal, he just bought a plane ticket went over there found a Amazing. ticket to the semifinal. They win. They go to the final. He buys. He somehow finds a ticket to the final, and, wow. and you know it's like he just, he just decided to fly over there and do it. And and there's so a wild. reason. Yeah, there, there's a reason that I haven't shared publicly. Well, I guess it's kind of public, but um, I just haven't I haven't shared like a lot. Uh, you know.
know, why I have such an affinity for, for travel and, and for other people that do it. And so when I saw you and, and, and your buddies doing that, I was like, you know what, this, this is a conversation that I want to have. And I want to make sure that I highlight your guys's work because to be honest, I'm jealous, dude. Like, like that's well, exactly what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. No, I really appreciate it. And, and, uh, you know, not a day goes by where I don't feel very lucky to do what we do also, you know, I, I know that we're, we're extremely lucky to get to do it. And, you know, on, on the bad days, of, of course, everyone has bad days. That's, um, you know, that's definitely something that doesn't, doesn't uh, stray far from my mind. But I, I think one of the great things about the sport is that, you know, I have no doubt that you'll, you'll find a way to have that adventure, right? Like it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, there are so many ways to see the world through this sport. Um, and I don't know that I can untangle my love of soccer with my love of travel anymore. And I have a feeling you're probably much the same. And I think, yeah. you know, it, it's like you, you end up traveling with a purpose wherever you go. Like you, you always stop into a local ground or to a, even like a training session or something like that. Like you'll, you'll find a way to, to have those two worlds intermingle, which is kind of cool. Tell me something that's like that's next for you i usually end interviews with what do people need to know and you kind of yeah. almost answered that question right now with with your last answer or with your last uh with your last statement but uh, i'll switch it up with you and, and and tell tell me what's next for for you totally and um, well after the world cup i mean as incredible as it was i really needed some time to step away <laughs> and i i didn't and i sort of dove right back in and so the next month i'm really taking to um kind of recalibrate how I sort of approach these two very distinct worlds that I've got going on. Like, I, I don't even know how to explain my job right now. Uh, but basically, <laughs> like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm continuing to be active and sort of the creative and, uh, you know, creative side of the game that, I, that really motivates me. Um, and then at the same time, you know, figuring out how to do more agency stuff more intermediary stuff like that's the side to me i think everyone wants to make a difference on the field like you grow up dreaming of being a player or a coach or whatever and for me i've I, you know i've had those dreams but i've i've let them die really easily growing up i knew i wasn't gonna be a pro and you know uh coaching i have so much respect for for you guys and for everyone who's an aspiring coach or a current coach not even aspiring but like who's who's always trying to get better at their craft you know like it's such a special thing to always be trying to improve and always trying to impart lessons and, and help people improve and to me that's like a very romantic notion and so for me to find this um you know this way into that mindset as it as either an agent or an intermediary is something that's pretty special to me um, and it's something that I don't think enough intermediaries and agents are seeing as a responsibility, which is you're trying to improve careers. And if you do that, then, you know, the good stuff will follow, like you'll do well in your career, you'll get more clients, et cetera. So for me, it's kind of taking a step back the next month or so, figuring out how I can do both of those things and how I can do them to the best of my ability. So we'll see. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think so much of like staying, in a good place mentally for me is being able to take that step back and really assess, okay, what's next and how do I get there? Um, because, uh, yeah, I, I love to jump into things and sometimes it gets me into trouble. No, dude, having, having the self-awareness to, to, to recognize that you need to do that is, is pretty big time. A lot of people, Thanks, a lot of people won't, won't recognize that and they'll just, you know, keep the pedal just pounded to the floor and keep yeah. going and they, they won't ever take, they won't ever take that break and, and step back and look like, Oh, you know what? Like maybe I should, maybe I should have make this or maybe I should make this right turn here instead of, you know, flooring it and going straight. Totally. 
Totally. Um, where where can people find you and connect with you and, and see some of the other stuff that, that you're working on? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on on Twitter. I'm a pretty uh, annoying Twitter presence, <laughs> but if you do want to if you do want to follow, I'm at that damn yank um, on there. And then, yeah, I mean that's pretty much the main the main gateway. Uh, DMs are open, and uh, you know, hit me up if if you uh, if you have anything to talk about. I mean, I think one of the things that's so great about your podcast, and I've been wanting to tell you this for a while, is that you get such a broad um, kind of kaleidoscope of people, and I think one of the things that I've noticed when traveling is like, if you go to, you know, Colombia, Brazil, England, Croatia, I'm sure like anywhere that you go, it's hard to find a community within a nation of like-minded soccer people. Like there's, there's just too big and it's too unmanageable. And there's so many different avenues to go down. I think one of the things amazing about this podcast is that you get so many people from different sides of the industry and eventually you've kind of created a discussion out of it. And in many cases from people who are underrepresented in, you know, traditional media or whatever. And I think, you know, keep, keep on doing what you're doing. Cause I think this is a really special thing to be able to be in American soccer in 2018. It can be really frustrating. And, you know, I know we're all trying to fight our own battles and some of that seem unwinnable, but it, it's pretty special to, to have everything in a place where we can have these discussions at the same time. And you can find people who see the game the way you do and, and feel like, hey, we're, we're making a difference one step at a time because it'd be pretty easy to give up. And so uh, I, I really respect what you're doing and, and how many voices in the room you're getting. Well, I appreciate that feedback, man. That was that was unexpected, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, of course. Cool, but yeah, man. great, great to chat. Yeah, it was good to good to finally get you on the phone, and and I I do have uh, every intention to try to to try to meet you in person next time I'm down in LA. I'm Let's taking a I'm taking a hiatus from from traveling for for thirty days, and then after that, then it's it's back to the grind. So awesome. Let me let me know, and, and yeah, have have a good hiatus. We all need Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And thank you to my guest on today's show, Zach Goldman. I hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation. I hope that you guys go to 343.com, sorry, 343coaching.com and check out all the links to connect with Zach and with his colleague Nathan and check out the stories that they did on the World Cup and everything that they are up to because they are up to some really cool stuff. Uh, while you are on 343coaching.com, you can also find links to our coaching programs and specifically to our premium coaching education. And that will help to support and fund this podcast. To talk a little bit about his experience with one of our online courses, here is Tom Beyer. And I can tell you, after someone who's done a lot of coaches' education, both as a student and as an instructor, that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I liked about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity, man. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how, to, how to develop, um, not just you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. Once again, you can find all of the information about our online coaching courses by visiting 343coaching.com. That's the number 
coachingallspelledout.com. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time.